out? Mermaids hey. don't gulp. <laughs> what do they do, Alex? They breathe underwater like fish, so it's more of a... Nope, nope. Well, it's probably more of a... Like the lips are moving a <laughs> little just bit. just turning on well, ASMR podcast. Yeah, Ooh. all about mermaids. Um, Hey, guys. Hello, listener, and welcome to this week's episode of The 13th Floor. I am Cece. I'm Alex. I'm James. And in case you haven't already come to the realization, we're talking about mermaids today. Mm-hmm. What do you guys... Merman pup. I know. Mer- Honestly, man. the entire time I was doing my research for this, I kept thinking about Zoolander. Like, <laughs> the amount of times that Zoolander has been prevalent in my life lately is just kind of insane. <laughs> yeah. So, James, how have you been? I'm good. And uh, true to my word, last podcast, I got me an old world. He sure did. Yep. And what's his name? And, uh, its name is Chai. And just like what I was after, it is a Postletheria regalis. Can you tell if it's a boy or girl yet? Not a clue. Yeah, does it have a ninth leg? He can't pick it up and look, you know what I mean? He can't, because if it bites him, he's in trouble. Yep, going straight to the ER if it bites me. If it bites you, like, do you think that the hospital will have the antivenom? No, it's really just to make my horrible discomfort more bearable. So so when he bites you, I'm sorry, if he bites you, we're not going to say when. If he bites you, it's just going to be painful. It's not going to, like... You know, uh, let's see, uh, racing heartbeat, nausea, and this is the big thing intense muscle cramps all over your body for five days. Yeah, James, don't don't you dare put your hand in that thing's little cage. And if oh, you yeah. do get I've, bit, we are going to record while you're experiencing some of this. Yeah. So, you know, there's people who do that, not even kidding. There's people who do that. It's I really, can see really some YouTuber being like, I just got bit by five copperheads. I lost all feeling. <laughs> you're not even. You're not even that far off. I've seen some of these bite reports, and they're like, "I just got bit. I just got bit by, by P. Vitalico. Right now, my hand is swelling up. Um, it's rather intense. There's a lot of heat. It's uh, it's working its way down my forearm. Just I'm buckling up, guys. Yeah, James. Listen, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna leave that to those people. Yeah, uh, yeah. How are how are you supposed to clean the little terrarium for Chai? Uh, what I've been doing, because I actually had to, because uh, the fellow that I bought it off of left a flipping mealworm in there, which that's a big no no. So I uh, I had to just sort of slide very slowly the lid over and just gently put some tweezers in there to where it was narrow enough for the tweezers, but not for the spider to come out. Mm. And it was it was it was like a little bit like operation. No, I hate that. That's game, a harrowing James. experience. I would yeah. be. I there is no game in the world that more upsets me than operation. So <laughs> I don't like this. Well, I imagine playing operation, but when you hear you need an operation. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good joke. Hey, I've uh, listener, listen. I am making some chicken lentil soup tonight and my timer just went off so i've got to go and set the timer again and replenish the water so you boys talk amongst yourself i'll be back in one second so so what so so james this old world spider Mm. you named it chai after what chai chai latte yeah because it's from india and it's in theme with the fact that all my other spiders except thanos are named after beverages is that true because you got pumpkin and spice okay you got chartreuse you got noir you got uh Wait, 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 wait. Noir and chartreuse. What are those? I don't know what those are. Uh, chartreuse is a green liqueur, and noir is Pinot Noir, the... Ah, uh, uh, okay. I got you. Oh, yeah. I had no idea, James. You had such a fondness for beverages. This is new information <laughs> for all of us. I have a fondness for patterns. I would have I would have expected something more similar, like you naming them all after your favorite tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. This is beef steak. <laughs> <laughs> oh, your least favorite one would obviously be the generic water balloon tomatoes as you call yeah, them. yeah big time oh man speaking of tomatoes how's the garden coming along oh it's looking beautiful you know nothing's grow i mean yeah, <laughs> they're growing but nothing's growing yet we just got the, we, everything just got planted a couple days ago mm. and nothing is looking like it's faltering yet so it's good I, I, gwen's been watering it Every day. Aww. Yeah. So she she's getting good at watering the plant. The oh, plant's great. And watering mm. mommy. She sprays me with a hose every single time we do it, but whatever. 
<laughs> I'm back, you guys, and the soup looks great. Good to you. Um, what did, did you tell James everything you got for the the garden? No, I don't think I told James anything. I think tell I just him told what's in him. your garden. Well, okay. well, you could find because okay. there's a limited selection. Yeah, there was like literally none of the nurseries around our house had anything left, which is probably because I started planting late. But we got yeah. two tomato plants, beefsteak tomato plants. Yeah. How ironic. Um, we got we got red, yellow, and green bell pepper. We got some mm, herbs. We got a zucchini plant, and we also got a watermelon because I'm like, I'm just going to try it. I'm going to see what happens. Mm, good deal. And that's my life right now. Just so you know, watermelon grows really big. The plants do. They creep along the ground in a big patch, and you got to be real careful not to step on them and break the vines at all. Well, okay. that's good to know because I've never grown watermelon. We won't worry about stepping on them, luckily, because it's in a raised garden bed, so we shouldn't be climbing in it, hopefully. Okay. It's going to grow big, though. But yeah, we got, we gotta yeah. manage its size. Yeah. <laughs> so control its growth. Well, we'll see what we'll see what God has in store for that one. James, are you playing with a pen? I am. That's one of James's <laughs> nervous ticks. I'm not sure yep. if you guys knew this, but number one, he's still on edge because of his whole chai having to pull the mealworm out encounter. And two, <laughs> he's just really for some reason, mermaids really creep him out. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Big mermaid fear over here. Yeah. So um, we're going to talk about mermaids here in a second, but you guys. Let's do some hearty hellos. I could do I could do a hearty hello. Who is our hearty hello today? I want to say thank you to, I can't believe I'm getting to do this again. Thank you very much, by the way. <laughs> um, I want to say hello to our dear listeners in Argentina. Argentina. Yeah. And... Uganda. Yeah, we've got listeners in Uganda now. Oh, this is a new area for us. And then you've taken away this from me, pointing out states. You so can do it. I'm going to uh, pick a state. I want to give a shout out to, you know what? I don't know if we are. We, have we done Kentucky? Yes. Have we done Kentucky because we're from there? I hope so. We have. Yeah, we've done Kentucky. Listen to James. Okay. As well, if we would ever not say hello to maybe Kentucky. Maybe I should go back to tapping it instead of just picking one. Just tap one. All right, tapping. <laughs> Thank you, Montana. Montana, Yum. where the mountains are beautiful. So, you guys, wherever you're listening in the world, thank you so much for tuning in. It warms the cockles of my heart. And also, <laughs> if you really enjoy our podcast, I hope that you will leave us a review on the Apple Podcast app. I don't no, even know what iTunes, it's called. Uh, podcast. Yeah, it's just an Apple iTunes. Yeah, when you when you go in there and you leave us a review, it helps us grow the podcast. Mm-hmm. And it's been growing a lot lately. So you guys, thank you so much for all your kind words. Mm-hmm. And then last, the last little no- news item is that we have a Patreon. So if you are wanting more 13th floor content, we do have a little episode that comes out every Friday of the month. Or you could also watch James answer questions, your questions, on a video. But I think it's time for our icebreaker. Let's do let's do a really quick icebreaker, James. I know you said that you had one. Um, well, you know we've we've done something a little similar, but uh, this one's this one's a little different. Since mermaids are a liminal creature, they are half one thing, half another. If you could be half one thing and half what you are, what would it be? Oh my gosh! What would uh? What do I want to be half of? Mm-hmm. Bird, tough. a bird, hands down. Oh, okay. If I could fly, that would be because that's my dream. Like every time I have a lucid dream, I always dream that I'm flying, mm-hmm. and it's like the most magical thing in the world. So mm-hmm. I would want to be half bird, maybe a, a blue jay. So I have beautiful blue wings. So, okay, so you're half and half. But the question is, James. <laughs> is this like a can this be like a centaur scenario where you can get like it, the whole upper body or, or like if she does a bird is she just a head with a bird uh, body gotcha yeah uh you know that is the that is the big question could you just have wings or would you end up like literally being like a flipping bird from the navel up listen i am going to be just i'm just gonna have the wings that's it okay, okay so so you're like You've got a feathery neck. I'm I'm picturing like a feathery. <laughs> it looks like a, a beautiful feathered 
necklace is how I'm picturing okay. it. And mm-hmm. then my arms are covered in feathers and I got those little hollow bones. So they're really light. So you okay. gotta be careful with them. Don't touch them too hard. Yeah. And then I can do, 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 do. And I can fly away if I want to. See, and that's exactly why I wouldn't have picked that. Why? You can't even operate Netflix now. No, I don't. <laughs> you don't have thumbs and fingers. Listen, I could get, I could get a, uh, I would just, I would just get an Alexa and tell the TV what to do. See, uh, James, I want to hear yours before I input my cheat code. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, if we're going full half, you know, I would be totally cool with Bat. Um, you know, one, you can fly, you can echolocate, and uh, I'd terrify the hell out of people. That's true. I'd basically be Man Bat. Now that I think about it. <laughs> yeah, which is a Batman villain. Yeah. 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 Oh, um, Alex. Now, what's what's your answer? Half gorilla. Half gorilla. So yeah. you can be strong. Well, and then I also have my. I can also use it. Or I or, can also operate a TV. I don't, no matter what half is the gorilla, I can still do normal things. I can still drive a car. I can learn to fly a plane. I don't have to be flapping my wings and get caught up in some some person's propellers like you. Why can't Why can't I be like? A uh, pterodactyl. Didn't they have little claws where they could do, 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 pick things up? Doesn't a bat have little things that it can? Kind of. I, I mean, I in mean, some ways, they have little... they have hand like bones in their their wings. And they're digits. They're quasi opposable. Yeah, but you you've got to like you're overthinking this, things, babe. Right? You just yeah. like okay, gorillas are wonderful, and you would probably make the. By the way, you mentioned the lower half, though. FYI, a a, a fully engorged gorilla Wang Chung is only three centimeters. Oh my god, Alex, what's your answer now? <laughs> <laughs> Back half gorilla, front half. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> 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 oh, I think listen, so. I got that gorilla booty. I think. <laughs> oh my god! I think we need to move past this. Okay, we might have children <laughs> listening. So let's move on. Let's talk about mermaids. Uh-huh. Oh, good, good golly, James! That was that was a good icebreaker. But okay, let's talk about mermaids, James. You're starting us off this week. What are you talking about? I'm talking about animals that are often mistaken for mermaids and the plausibility biologically of the existence of mermaids. Um, mm. Yeah, through history, history uh, we've often heard accounts from sailors saying that, you know, there's beautiful women with fishtails in the ocean. Um, and, I mean, it's not even exclusively a, a Western thing. Like, we hear a lot of accounts for it. And there's a couple things we need to bear in mind. One... Sailors love to tell nonsense stories. I mean, it is a stereotype that's totally true. Sailors go for months on end with no female company, mind you, uh, on a a rickety ship to who knows where. And then when they get back, they regale whatever women are at that port of call with these really, really, really tall tales. I mean, there have been stories, for example, that were just taken as fact – for, for years, if not decades, about islands in the New World where there's people who have faces on their bellies and who only uh, eat an apple a week and, and just crazy things like that. And people are just <laughs> like, oh, wow, yeah, that's that sounds about right. And so when we when we hear mermaid stories, it's easy. When I first heard the origin stories as a kid that, you know, sailors were seeing manatees and dugongs and belugas and claimed that they were beautiful women – my first thought was, uh, that's crazy. Like, why would they think that? Um, well, one, again, they, they're on a ship for months with no women around. So maybe that <laughs> beluga just looks prettier as a result. Um, and also, they have a tendency to exaggerate. So manatees, belugas, and uh, dugongs are the three big mis- mistaken identities for, for mermaids. And they all have something in common. Uh, well, actually, they have a lot of things in common. They're sea mammals, so they're like us. They're mammals. They've just taken – they pretty much returned to the ocean. They were they were uh, terrestrial mammals like us, and then they, they had readapted to an oceanic life. And as a result, they have a lot of features that you could plausibly say are, are humano- human-esque. Let's not, let's not go as far as humanoid, yeah. but human-esque. And also remember that the water is going to obscure, you know, your view quite a bit. So I think that could play a big role. And what's interesting to me about it, you know, as a kid, I thought that's crazy. How could they make such a mistake? 
Well, the reason why I thought why I picked this topic is because, you know, I recall something like that happening in 2018. In uh, 2018, there was a picture uh, taken from a very low angle of a beluga whale. And I mean, it's a tweet and it says, and I kid you not, it's from at we like to learn throughout history. Sailors have mistaken beluga whales for mermaids because of their human like knees. And then you look at this picture and it literally looks like it's kind of mortifying. It's very Silent Hill-esque. It looks like a person writhing to get out of a beluga suit. It looks looks like there's somebody in there. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I've never like if you look at the if you look at the 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 uh, ventral view of this this particular picture. That's the important part. You can see knees. You can see legs. You can see hips. You can even see sort of part of an abdomen. I mean, it looks like a person in a suit. It does. It's creepy. It does. It's creepy. It's very freaky. Uh, and people were were talking about this, like, oh, my God, look at beluga whale knees. Oh, my God, look at this. It looks like a person. And what they failed to note, and, and you know, it's been disproven now, obviously, but all these people were talking about it. And those aren't knees. If you look at a beluga from any other picture or any other angle, this isn't like the case. None of that's real. The way the light is hitting it is making this illusion. That's just ventral fat that just kind of sort of because of the lighting – Looks like knees. Well, now imagine that you're a you're a, a Royal Navy sailor. It's it's you know 1601. You have just had your your daily ration of rum because it was literally required because it made the water last longer. So you just had a quite a bit of rum. You haven't seen a woman in three months, and you look out the uh, the port bow or whatever, and you see in the dappled, hazy blue water. Something that kind of looks like this picture. Yeah, you're. When you get home, you're going to tell everybody about the beautiful lady you saw underwater. <laughs> so, so it's really the reason why it's funny to me is because it's something that happened three years ago. So it's not really just this. If this hadn't happened three years ago, I would have th- said that it was just you know pre-modern uh, silliness. But it's not. It happens now with photography. It happens now with the age of the internet. <laughs> So it's very easy anatomically to mistake one thing for another all the time. In fact, our brains are wired to see patterns. There's there's several wonderful optical illusions that highlight this. That if you uh, if you look at, for example, uh, there's a wonderful optical illusion where uh, you're shown a broken mesh. I mean, it's it's frazzled in all these places, but your brain puts it together as perfect because your brain prefers order to chaos. Well, if you see something, and, and our, our vision is notoriously bad in the water, if you see something that's obscured by the water that is vaguely human-shaped uh, and, and has certain qualities that humans have that even other mammals don't have, like, again, sea mammals and humans have a lot in common. We actually talked about that in the Aquatic Ape Theory episode. Yeah. You know, they're, they're hairless. They have very long form uh, of, of their body. Like a lot of things are sort of more like us than, say, a, a person compared to a squirrel or something, or actually even a, a person in another primate. So there's there's a lot of qualities that would be easily mistaken for another. You add to that uh, just the, the, the tendency of people to put patterns on things. I absolutely think that the mermaid stories are a combination of sailors exaggerating, but also I think there were plenty of accounts where they genuinely believed what they saw. Hmm. I can so, see that. Yeah. And as for the plausibility of mermaids, like in real life, um, right off the gate, let's let's consider something that has partially a fish body and partially a humanoid body. Right off the bat, I would say that's not feasible because a fish body is very, very acclimated to survival in a watery environment. And that makes perfect sense. And a humanoid body is perfectly acclimated to survival in an arboreal climate, like, you know, treetops and whatnot. That's sort of why we have these long limbs, stereoscopic eyes in front of our head, and these lovely little digits that were originally great for grabbing branches, and now they're great for, you know, using tools and making podcasts. So Mm -hmm. we have a lot of traits that are expressly derived from our environment, and I just cannot imagine a scenario where a humanoid torso would be an advantage 
in the water. Now, that's just the traditional shape of a mermaid, though. That's like the, the classic, you know, flipping aerial kind of mermaid. That's the but, uh, the half, like, where Alex wanted to be just half. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, and that also begs another question. Given that they live in the water, um, would a mermaid be poikilothermic or homeothermic, which, you know, again, the more outdated terms, hot or cold-blooded. Like, if you think about it, a fish is almost always poikilothermic. There's a few exceptions, like great white sharks. But for the most part, they're, they're, they're quote-unquote cold-blooded. Again, not the best term anymore. But um, And then on the flip side, sea mammals uh, in general are homeothermic. So if, if, if there was a mermaid, I imagine that if it was to survive in the water, two things would have to be the case. One, it would have to be you – know, this is assuming it's homeothermic like us. One, it would have to have a bunch of blubber, just the way other sea mammals have, to retain that heat because water really wicks heat away. So that's not going to be a very pretty mermaid. And uh, two, it would almost certainly, given most things in the ocean are, especially things that need enough calories to maintain a temperature, it would be carnivorous. So say goodbye to Ariel's pearly whites. They would probably look more like, uh, you know, we, I talked about like carnivorous humans, you know, we would be talking about something with a muzzle and uh, very long teeth. We'd be talking about like a werewolf mermaid. Or what if it was like an angler fish? It had that kind of mouth. Oh, like- oh, well, yeah. I mean, it's 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 more feasible than Ariel. And yeah, that's pretty terrifying. An angler fish mermaid. Um, in fact, that would be a great. Uh, well, Alex, you're not talking about sirens, are you? No. Yeah, that that actually reminds me of sirens. You know, from Greek mythology. Um, sirens were a lot like mermaids in the sense that they were often depicted, not always, but often depicted as having the lower body of fish. And they would sing these hypnotic songs that would cause sailors to wreck. And lo and behold, sure enough, they had sharp teeth and they ate human flesh. That's what they would do. They ate sailors. They didn't, uh, you know, romance them, which man talk, wouldn't that be, I would love a Quentin Tarantino version of the little mermaid where, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Um, so right off the bat anatomically there's a lot of issues whether it would be more fish-like or more human-like but again that's the more conventional uh perspective on a mermaid let's imagine for a minute though a scenario wherein something's a little bit more like abe sapien um that is to say that it has humanoid features but it incorporates marine adapted qualities very well. I can actually see something like that existing. I I don't think it's likely, but hypothetically, something that has that overall shape, assuming also that it is poikilothermic, that is to say it is quote unquote cold blooded like a fish, not not like a, a, you know, the exception of being a great white shark, like an actual fish, cold blooded, uh, so it wouldn't need all that blubber. I can see something taking on a shape similar to us, uh, just in the sense that there's there's a few key advantages. Um, and, and right off the bat, we can see this in nature. Um, if you put a person on a surfboard from below, great whites think, hey, a seal. Mm-hmm. And that's because if you actually look at the overall shape of a person, the overall shape of a seal, again, seals being warm-blooded like us, but... Being sea mammals, they have that blubber. They're more leaf-shaped overall. They have a more rotund little body. But they're kind of sort of in a roundabout way built similarly to us. Well, if you were an animal that needed to manipulate your environment the way we have, uh, say something lived in a coastal environment and overall adapted then to marine life, let's say a primate. I can imagine a scenario where convergent evolution would lead to a primate taking to the ocean. Most sea mammals, by the way, are are pig-like creatures that took to the ocean and became whales and dolphins and, and porpoises. But what if what if a primate had done the same thing? Under those circumstances, I can see it being very similar. Now, here's the, the problem with that little, little theory. If it was a primate, it's going to be homeothermic. So then you're going to end up with that blubber situation again. Um, so evolutionarily, is there anything that could have led to that? Currently, it doesn't sound like anything could, but I would submit, what if, given we've gotten so good at uh, acquiring calories, what if human beings colonized an aquatic 
location and stayed there for, I'm talking millions of years, tens of millions of years, is it possible that we would ultimately become something very Abe Sapien-like? And I think that, that could absolutely happen. Uh, in fact, it, it's funny. Um, we, uh, one, in my Q&A, I mentioned the hopeful monster theory uh, for our patrons, and that, that surmises this idea that sometimes animals are born, or any organism is born, with a series of mutations. And sometimes those series of mutations end up being advantageous and results in creating a new lineage. Well, there are people, I think it's one out of every uh, 15 people, has webbed fingers or toes. Well, that if in a scenario where that's advantageous, given how common it is, it could be an easy hopeful monster creating a lineage of semi-aquatic humans. Huh. So that's really about the only, so that's, that's really my answer to it. I don't think mermaids are a feasible thing to exist on this earth at this time. But if there are mermaids, they would be our descendants in the future. <laughs> huh. Interesting. Makes me think of Aquaman or the Submariner. Yeah. You know, mm. maybe they're already down there, James. And it's kind of like you mentioned, they're they're already down there. They've been down there for centuries. We just mm-hmm. didn't know about it. Mm-hmm. Maybe. And I had just one question before sure. I, I take over. But I know that you mentioned people moving into the water is it possible that maybe it could have been people started out in the water and then moved onto Earth, or it's not impossible, but it's very implausible just given the record that we've seen of human lineages. Okay, hmm. well that's a good answer, James. Is it my turn? Sure. Are you all ready to hear about Arctic mermaids? Ooh, Ooh. a little chilly. That's my favorite indie band. <laughs> okay, so. Um, <laughs> And you know what? I know that we're talking about Arctic mermaids. That's my topic today. But I just want to start out by saying that I came to this topic conclusion because, listener, whenever we draw a topic from the vase, we all talk about it. How can we kind of approach this topic? And then we each go off and select our own topics. Or James just tells me what to talk about if he's like, I know what we need to do. But in this case, we were all like, okay, let's each find a mermaid story. So I was like, okay, I'm going to think about it. Alex and I were talking about it, and I hadn't searched anything about mermaids online or anything. Alex and I literally just talked about it and maybe texted about it. But then I hop onto YouTube for a completely unrelated video search, and wouldn't you have it? The very first thing that pops up is a Missing in Alaska history TV show about the Arctic mermaids. So this topic was suggested to me by – the overly intrusive social media overlords today. You can thank them for this. And unrelated to mermaids, but I actually read a very interesting text about how uh, it was by this marketing guy. And he basically said that the internet isn't listening to us through our devices per se, which I don't know. I don't know about that. But he says what they really do is they mine our texts. So whenever you opt into use an app or something, most of the time they have terms and conditions. And in those terms and conditions is, hey, we want to be able to access your contacts and your texts and all these things. And then they use that to see what words are we searching or talking to about our with our friends and family. And then that's how they market things toward us. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I don't know why I didn't think about that. It makes sense. But it's creepy as hell. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Anyway, tangent over. Let's talk about mm-hmm. mermaids. And again, I'm talking about the ones that don't mind the cold. And in Inuit folklore, there's a story about a mermaid-like creature called the Kuala Pollock. Have you ever heard of this, James? Nope. Sounds adorable, but I bet it's not. It's not, James. It's, it's scary, <laughs> hairy. But it lives in the cold Arctic waters. And as legend has it, she waits for unsuspecting children to approach the edge of the icy water. And then when they least expect it, she snatches them with her green webbed hands Ooh. and she puts them in a little pouch that she wears on her back called them uh, I think it's called an amotic or an amotic uh, um, amotic I can't amotic. I looked it up online I looked up the pronunciation but it's basically like a little backpack that parents in the area use to carry around their kids hmm. but in Kuala Pollock's case she throws the kids that she catches into it and then she swims to the very bottom of the bay and she drowns the kids and then gobbles up their remains. Mm. Scary. 
And I really, I shouldn't assign a gender to the Kuala Pollock because it could be a dude. But most of the stories are about how it's a lady with long flowing hair. And the reason she targets kids is because it's not necessarily because they're easy prey. It's actually because consuming youthful prey in turn gives her the gift of youth. Mm. So I read a wonderful blog about the Kuala Pollock on Medium called Kuala Pollock, the Monstrous Inuit Mermaid by author Yamuna Proventer. I don't know how to pronounce the last name. I'm so sorry, Yamuna. And she writes that some say that the creature has a little cave under the water and that she actually takes her victims there. She snatches them. She puts them in this trance-like state. And then she's keeps them in their little layer. And then she just sucks the energy out of them. And that's how she stays young Ooh. and immortal. It's a very hocus-pocusy, if you very ask me. Hmm. You know, it's interesting. Most, most ocean monsters... Um, Tend to be female. They yeah, they do. They tend to be be female. There were some folklore that I read that were like, oh, it is a man. And it's like, if this thing really does exist, it one would think that there's more than one, right? Yeah. So but in this mm-hmm. case, the way that I think about the male is like, if it is a male, it could still maybe want to suck the youth from somebody. Kind of like how James wants to stay immortal forever via singularity. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, what that, that's what the Koala Pollock is looking for. And maybe they're genderless. Who knows? It could be just a, a, a creature. But the gender doesn't matter here, you guys. You know what does matter, though? The sound the Koala Pollock makes if you hear it. Uh, mm-hmm. it. It has a hunting call. And if you hear it, you might die if you try to investigate. So it's a humming sound is what people say. It's like, hmm. And if you hear it, it's like, you know, you need to run the opposite direction because it's not good. And sometimes, even if you don't hear the hum, sometimes you could be out ice fishing or whatever. And then all of a sudden you're, you're standing there, you're ice fishing, and then all of a sudden you're tap, 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 tap. And you're like, something is tapping from underneath the ice. Oh, that's spooky. And let me see what it is. And so you go to investigate and it lures people to these parts of the ice that are thinner until they fall through. And then it's like, ooh, I got myself a meal. You know what hums and also clicks and also might eat Eskimo kids? What? Orca. Orca. That's what I was trying to put together, James. I was trying to think, what could this story be warning kids to stay away from? Exactly. Maybe that's that's the deal. No, all sorts of things. Yeah. Yeah. There's, I mean, Hmm. the ice is dangerous just in the, just alone. Well, I'm sure thinner parts probably crack too, and it might even sound like a tapping even or something. Mm. Well... Uh, does an orca smell like sulfur? Because the koala pollock is supposed to smell like sulfur, James. Have you smelled mm. an orca fart? Um, I haven't. <laughs> but I figure it probably smells like Alex after he ate Taco Bell. Ooh, probably not that bad. So, anyways. So, I'm going to talk about... At least about- he knows where his meat came from. <laughs> All right. Well, when I was doing my research for this, you know, YouTube gave me that little... That little breadcrumb. It's like, here, Cece, talk about Arctic mermaids. What if that was just the universe trying to get me to talk about Arctic mermaids today? Mm, could be. Could really, be. what this has come, our, our show is becoming is an advertisement about the History Channel shows. Because I, I feel oh like I've God. talked about them a lot lately. But I ended up watching this entire episode of Missing in Alaska. So I am just <laughs> going to regale you with a breakdown of the episode, okay? So the episode starts out. With a scary tale that happened to two men while they were out fishing on a little boat in the bay of the Arctic waters. And they're just out there. They're minding their own business, trying to catch fish and stuff. When all of a sudden, uh, one feels something on his line. He's like, oh, I caught something. And he's trying to pull it in. And then he realizes, "Uh uh-oh, it's really, really strong. And it starts to pull the boat. And the boat starts to rock. It's like, whoosh, whoosh. And the guy gets pulled into the water, and he's gone. Oh, commercial break. Alex, what was the commercial? Alex, <laughs> you Sorry. scared me. I was in the zone with my story. My heart pitter You said you are watching the episode. I assumed there's a commercial break. I'm sorry. There was. There were lots of commercial breaks on YouTube. <laughs> but anyways. Boy. sorry. Well, the guy, his friend says that he saw a green webbed hand grab the side of the boat during Ooh. the uh, encounter. So that leads the History Channel team to immediately suspect that the Koala Pollock might be to blame. You know what I mean? So that's an interesting show, right? 
So they go to the area. They try to see if an Arctic mermaid may have been responsible for the disappearance of this man. Because once he's gone, like he's gone. He's missing in Alaska, you guys. It's the name of the show. And during their investigation, guess what a local fisherman caught, you guys, in his web. An alligator. Oh, that'd be crazy. That would be crazy, wouldn't it? That would be crazy. Alligators are freshwater and... I know how Listen, far-fetched it is, everybody. You guys, he caught a salmon. He caught oh, a big old salmon. Nice. With oh, a sizable man. chunk bitten out of the side of it, right in the middle. And naturally, they have to figure out what has bitten this salmon and killed it in this guy's neck. It's not the normal bite, okay? It's a different bite. Hmm. And so they take it to this little, I don't want to say it's a mortician. Who's the type of person who does an autopsy? Pathologist? Mor- what? Pathologist? A, pa- a pathologist or something like that. They take it to this guy, local pathologist. And oh, you're talking about a corn, like a coroner, but you wouldn't have a coroner. Yeah, yeah he's, a looking, pathologist he's looking at case. a fish. Maybe he's a veterinary coroner. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but they take it to this local autopsy guy. He takes a look at it, and he's like, I don't know what could have done this, you guys. I don't know what could have killed this salmon. Based upon the size and the bruising and the bite mark and the tear and – He's like, you know, it could have been a seal, but a seal would have ripped this thing to shreds. And it couldn't have been the propeller of a boat because that would have just ripped it in half. But it's Mm. just, it's an odd shape. And then they're all like, ooh, maybe this is proof of the Kuala Pollock. And then Mm -hmm. they go on an investigation. They get out in their little boat, go for a boat ride. And while they're waiting to see if they can spot the monster, and they used chum and stuff. They used a whole bunch of like bloody fish bites and I think that they used human blood too. They threw it into the bay to see if they could lure something. Anyways, something big hits their boat in the middle of the night. And they're like, what could have done it? And then they look with a camera and there's a scratch mark, three scratch marks on their propeller. Whoa. End mm. of the episode. They don't know what it was. There's really no conclusion to this, which I'm so, I know that you're probably very happy that I just told you the whole story. Um, But it ends with one of the guys saying, you know, there's always things to be discovered, which always reminds me whenever I hear that, it makes me think of James's story about (laughs) the panda bear, how it was discovered. Oh, yeah. Mm. So it's like maybe there could be the qualipolic, but maybe not. So I want explanations. I know you guys probably want explanations for what could be this creature. So I've got a couple of possible explanations. As James mentioned, it could be a whale, you know. Uh, we don't want our kids to be near the water if a whale could get them. So let's tell them that the Kuala Pollock is out there. Mm. Could it be a chunk of seaweed? Because you know that <laughs> one guy said, hey, uh, it looked like there was a green webbed hand on mm. the side of my boat. So could maybe, a, yeah, maybe it could have been a clump of seaweed that just somehow with, with a wave landed on the side of the boat. I don't know. <laughs> Another option, a wolf eel. Which is not technically Ooh. an eel, it's more of a fish, but they can grow up to be as big as like six feet long. And their faces look very human esque. Like if you were to look at it, it looks like a grumpy old man. So if you saw that, as James mentioned, us looking into water is not always clear. So if you were to look down in the water and see this fish's face, you might think, oh, that looks like a person. Huh. So could it be a wolf eel? I don't know. And then my other my other thing is that it could, again, just be a story to keep kids away from the Arctic water because sometimes kids get themselves in situations. You don't want your kid to get stuck in a situation like that. So just tell them there is a monster in that water that's going to pull you under the water and you're going to be gone forever. So the kids are like, okay, I'm not going near the water. That's horrifying. <laughs> that's like what my dad did when I was growing up. We had the railroad tracks at the end of our street and my dad told me there was a boogeyman that lived up there. I never went up to those railroad tracks because I thought the boogeyman lived there. In reality, it was just to make sure I wasn't on the tracks to get hit by a train. But that stuff works. So who knows? The local fisherman in the episode of Missing in Alaska said that he thought that it was just that the guy probably got fishing line caught around his leg or something and got pulled under maybe by a (laughs) crab pot or something like that, which happens in Alaska. So... Is the Kuala Pollock real, you guys? I don't know. and I, But I'm not going there to find yeah, out. And the world may never know. All signs know. point to yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, you guys, that's what I have. Alex, what are you talking about today? Um, I want to talk about a mermaid story. 
This is a oh, story good. that takes place <laughs> in Jamaica. Jamaica. That's right. And shout out to Mysterious Universe for their recent reporting on this story. Oh, it's recent? Yeah. Pretty recent. Yeah. Uh, yes. It, it, the event is recent, but it has a history. A history. Mm. All right. So there's a bridge in Jamaica. That is, so this is this is a twofer, everybody. Oh, We've wow. got, it's haunted by ghosts and mermaids. So it's a ghost mermaid or is it? No, unfortunately. That'd be... That'd be pretty cool. That's like the Flying yeah. Dutchman from SpongeBob SquarePants. That's right. Yeah, that'd be cool. <laughs> but no, this is ghosts and mermaids. Okay. Even though my entire story is about the mermaids. Okay. The ghosts do not come into play. <laughs> but this is the Flat Bridge, and it's built over the Rio Cobre River. And this bridge was built using slave labor. Oh. Yeah. Uh, a recipe for ghosts, for obvious reasons. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, below the water are angry river mumas. Okay, is a muma a like kind of like a mermaid? Yep. Ooh. Yeah, they just call them river mumas, <laughs> but they're they're just river mermaids, and they await to snatch new prey and steal them away. That sounds familiar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And recently, there have been two separate incidents that resulted in two deaths and oh. numerous injuries that are being blamed on the mermaids. That's awful. During certain times of the year, the Rio Cobre cha- uh, River changes colors. It, it gets really dirty and green. And mm-hmm. this is when... They strike? The river mermaids show up. And this is... Uh, and so they that's when they come home, and they're here for the prey. They're here for a meal. So in, 20, in 2016, some people actually came and, like, don't know why, but some people came in 2016 and kind of put some blood in the river. Sounds like the episode of Missing Alaska. Yeah, I'm, I'm like, is this some sort of sacrifice? I could not figure out what was going on. But whatever they did, either did what they wanted to or created the opposite. Because a f- few days later, six people died in that r- river. That is awful. Yeah, the six Whoa. people were in a single car and they all died in the river. Did it? Did it like the car get washed away? Well, no, because remember, this is a the, the car went off the bridge into the water. Oh, okay. I would think that that probably killed them. Not yeah, the, I don't, I don't, the I'm not blaming mermaids. You don't, you don't on think that the moonwalks dragged them down? Gravity did that. Yeah, gra- gravity brought them down. Okay, all right. Supposedly, keep going. Yeah, you'll see. <laughs> but another legend says that there's supposedly a golden table. A golden, like a like a now, table that you eat it's at. It's not actually a table you eat at. I was looking into it. It is actually like just think of it like a giant golden brick. It's probably the best way, but you know, rough, unnatural in shape, and not carved out of anything. Hmm. And the story goes is that under the bridge on the hottest of days, it surfaces for people to reach. And there's a story of this plantation owner actually who sent 24 bulls and six slaves down to the river to retrieve this thing. The really odd thing about this is all 30 drowned. All 30? 24 Mm. bulls and six slaves all drowned. Oh my! To be fair, gosh. 24 bulls are not going to be that great at swimming. James, doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I wouldn't think yeah, that'd be the case. So the mermaids are, at least it seems, most certainly guarding the treasure. The table. In this story. Okay. Yeah. But now the question is, it's like, we, we know from our first Aliens episode with our people, I think it was in Rio de Janeiro, who tried to capture the aliens by gr- just grabbing them. Yeah. Uh, we know that humans can't resist trying to capture something. <laughs> so <laughs> the question may be is like, why doesn't anyone take care of these mermaids? Like clearly they're a nuisance. And there's a couple reasons, actually. Like first, it is said that those that try to capture it always end up severely wounded or dead, unsurprisingly, right? Yeah, yeah. You're going into this thing's home. You ain't going to come back unscathed. It's going to, and, and if the water's all dirty and green, you won't be able to see anything, yeah. I think. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there's actually like a, for a lot of people in the area, think that there's this big kahuna, I guess. They, call her, they call her the river mistress. 
Ooh. Yeah, she's she's the big one. And she is there to protect all life in the water in the area. Like even like she's there to protect the fish, and the fish in particular are her children. So mm. don't go fishing in this area. Okay. And don't go messing with her because she will kill you. <laughs> they said Gosh. that she only shows her face when the water turns that dirty green color. And she'll she'll appear. Is she pretty or is she scary? She's scary. Okay. This is like a Miyazaki movie. Yeah. Now, you all were like, you all were kind of wondering earlier. I didn't want to say it yet. But you all were wondering like, okay, how are mermaids responsible for cars falling off bridges? Yeah. Mm. These mermaids can climb. They can climb. For a second, Mm. I thought maybe they shook the bridge. No. These mermaids can grab the cars and drag them off the bridge. And like you were saying, Cece. They've seen green hands grab the car and drag it down. You don't think it was seaweed? Mm. No. I ain't no seaweed up here. Are you kidding me? Yeah, so, <laughs> and I'm sorry, river weed. Yeah, river weed. There you go. There you go. Um, so these mermaids will drag these things down. Now, the weird thing is, is that sometimes they've seen the creature drag them down into the water, only to sometimes... Save some of them. Hmm. Interesting. So it's like they'll be like, uh-oh, your car. I'm going to get you out of the car. What? Yeah. So I'm wondering, like, so if this thing is willing to save some people, is it like a judge, jury, and executioner? Or something? Yeah, it sounds like the Toxic Avenger. Because, well, the weird thing is, is like, if that was the case, why would it... And this is why I think a lot of these stories are the inconsistencies in the narrative of this story of this creature that lives here really, you know, makes it a little unbelievable in yeah. some ways. Um, because the, why would the why would one of them kill? Well, that one's guarding treasure. I was gonna say, why would one kill twenty four bulls and six slaves? When they're trying to steal something, but they're trying to steal in that in that world, they're trying to steal from the mermaid. So, I right, guess I see it. It doesn't I matter. Say, I don't see doing. any inconsistencies here. Now, the other reason why they haven't done such a thing, like you know, why wouldn't you build a dam so that you can like silo this thing off, capture it, make sure it doesn't go up river or wherever it goes when it's not green and dirty. I don't even want to think what would happen there. Haven't you seen Swamp Thing? <laughs> good point. Good point. Well, if it can climb, what would a dam do? Yeah, yeah, it's a good point. Piss now, it off. Yeah, it's yeah. a good point. Yeah, but but then it has to get out of the water, and you will see it. You force it out. Everyone can mm. line up. Shit, I don't know. What you mean. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh well if, if she doesn't, if the mermaid doesn't kill you. There's something else that might happen that for why people don't want to bother this thing. And okay. it might be that she might leave her golden comb somewhere which that she uses to brush her hair. Yeah. And if you find it and you take it back to her, she will lead you to the secret hiding place of some long lost pirate treasure. Well, that sounds nice. Yeah. 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 Now, you, or you could just steal the comb. But then I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to drive over the bridge. That was, yeah, at that point, if I stole that comb, I would never sleep soundly again. No, that would be <laughs> right? bad juju. Right? Yeah, yeah. It wouldn't go so well. I wouldn't think. Now, what, what, what do you all think of this story? You think it's a preposterous? Funny possible? enough, I think that's the most plausible of all our stories. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I, 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 now I do. I, you know, there is a little small detail I did leave out. Oh, great. A little layer to this folklore. This is like what James says to us every week. Oh, by the way. Yeah. So first, the bridge that has all these cars falling off of it, it doesn't have guardrails. Oh. Yep. So people are falling off of it, jumping off of it. I would never want to get on that bridge. Yeah. So it's completely unsafe. Apparently, they have tried to put up railings, but they just keep go falling off is it the mermaids that keep pulling them it off it could be it could be they said they washed away i don't even know how they would wash well, away maybe, the maybe they're not been planted. yeah so it's completely unsafe another theory as posted by uh paul seaburn at mysterious universe which i thought was actually pretty entertaining and very possibly right 
is that the government could be feeding this mermaid legend in the area like to give it some credence in order to keep from fixing, A, the flat bridge, or, you know, maybe having the responsibility to take care of this river that is only turning green because of pollution. That's what I was going to ask you earlier. <laughs> is it turning green because of like algae blooms? No, that's or? what I was thinking. Well, it, and it could be the algae blooms, but algae blooms are often a result of pollution. Mm. Right, James? I don't that's know correct, about right? They can blooms. be. Um, usually it's like, uh, if I remember right, really low oxygen environments. Yeah, that's if what I, I Yeah. Right. I know I have seen pollution does result in algae, certain types of pollution, obviously, right. result in algae blooms. Mm. So. Well, that's an interesting theory. Yeah, so I thought that was pretty interesting. I was like, "Yeah, that's a good way to keep people away from uh, and to keep them distracted from the issue that is probably real." So, so this mm-hmm. happened in Jamaica, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, I just yep. want to make sure because I saw that at the top of your screen it said Zimbabwe. No, I did another story. I didn't like it. Okay, so I read. I'd read that this one. Well, Alex, thank you for talking about the. Supposed mermaids of uh, Jamaica. I think it's that time again, you guys. It's time for us to draw from the vase. And it's that time of the month where we get to actually draw from the Patreon vase. So let me go get the Patreon vase. Yeah, okay. So I'm taking a look at the flat bridge. And it is not implausible for something to crawl up and grab something out of it. Let me see it. Mm. Yeah, that's a that's not this a, is, like, this is giant a very bridge. this is a very small bridge. It does not have guardrails currently. Uh, the latest Google Earth picture, but yeah, I mean, this is a if this thing is six feet tall, it could probably grab it could probably grab something off the bridge. Possibly. Mm. Well, are you ready to draw from bait? I'm ready. All right, Alex. Oh, the elite vase. Yeah, the elite vase. This is our Damn. Patreon episode. So next week, you guys, you want to know what Ooh, we're talking this about? Next week, we are talking about deja vu, and this topic was suggested to us by Corinne. Oh, so, thank you, Corinne. Yeah, Corinne, thank you so much for submitting this topic into the vase. I'm excited to talk about this. Alex, you asked to talk about deja vu a very long time yeah, ago. Yeah, we, we, we've kind of briefly touched on it, but it is going to be really fun to go really deep into this. Deep dive. Well, you guys, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Is there anything mm-hmm. you guys want to mention before we say Arrivederci for the day? Um, I did want to mention that our music is by Grant Cook. You can find it on Amazon <laughs> Music, Spotify, iTunes, anywhere you listen to music. So until <laughs> next week, you guys, we hope that you can keep, keep it straight. straight.